This portion of the podcast is being brought to you by CVA. What is your go-to? The one thing that you can trust when you really need it the most. You don't even have to think about it. It's just always been there for you. CVA is so confident that the all-new bolt-action rifle, the Cascade, will be your next go-to that it comes with a money-back guarantee. Visit CVA.com to learn more. It's more than just a gun. It's our promise for a better rifle. First podcast, I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and this is episode number 58. You may notice that we didn't do a podcast last week. It was Thanksgiving week, and honestly, I just wanted to spend more time with the family, so I didn't record a podcast last week, and I apologize if you're looking for that and you missed it, but hey, we got one this week, and I'm really excited to have with me a guest who was on the show last year uh, with episodes number 19 and 20. And he joins us again today on episode 58. Dr. Philip Hunt will be here in just a minute talking with us about hunting out of a saddle. I know saddle hunting has been very popular uh, in the last couple of years. It's actually been around for about 35 years, but it's really grown in popularity in the last couple of years. And Philip is some someone who has taken to that, really enjoys it. And he's going to talk, talk with us about it, about why he decided to start hunting out of a saddle, what he sees as benefits of it, and some of the tactics and techniques in order to do that. So uh, stay with me in just a little bit, and we'll have Philip Hunt on here to talk about saddle hunting. But first, I want to remind you that Christmas is right around the corner, and I still have available uh, copies of my book, The Hunting Club Bible, Everything You Need to Know About Starting and Running a Successful Hunting Club. The Hunting Club Bible offers... Uh, tips and tactics on everything you need to know to have a successful club. We talk about things like how to find land, how to find members, whether you do you want to lease land, do you want to buy the land, what are the different ways to approach that, what are your insurance needs, and every stone is turned in order to, to help you start and to run a successful hunting club. If you're in a club now and you want to try to make it better, this book's for you. It's available either through me on my website at christianoutdoors.org, and if you want to buy it through there, I'd be glad to inscribe it for you and ship it out to to you, or you can also get it on Amazon. It's thirteen dollars, and uh, and I, I I think everyone who is in a hunting club or is running one really needs to copy this book. And people have been giving me some really positive feedback on it. It's it's it proves to be pretty helpful to people who have used it. So I encourage you to get it if you are trying to find a gift for the hunter in your life. Perhaps this is one of the things that you can consider. The Hunting Club Bible by Pete Rogers is available again at ChrisNotDoors.org or on Amazon. Uh, also, if you're not following us on social media, please do. We're on all the social media outlets, you know, Instagram and Facebook specifically. We are also on Parlor now. And shortly, hopefully in early 2021, we will be on YouTube as well. But uh, Christian Outdoors Podcast is available on every podcast platform that's out there. We're even on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, uh, Apple Podcast app. We're on the Google Podcast app. We're, uh, any podcast platform that I can find, I make sure that Christian Outdoors is available. So tell your friends about us. Let's get the word out there that we're discussing all things outdoors and how we can enjoy God every day. And I'm really excited about that and all the things that God is doing owned Christian Outdoors podcast. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Uh, remember, Christian Outdoors podcast is a listener-supported podcast, and you can go to our website, again, at christianoutdoors.org. There's places on there where you can donate to us in order to help fund this podcast to keep it going. We really appreciate any support that you are willing to give us. Um, and thank you for that. 
And as I said earlier in the intro, today we have with us guest uh, Dr. Philip Hunt, but he but he is a doctor. He's a good friend of mine. He's an excellent hunter and fly fisherman, and we have him on today because he hunts out of a saddle, and it's one of those things that uh, personally I don't understand, but that's why I have him on the show. I know a lot of people are going to hunting out of a saddle. A lot of people are, are uh, making a transition from regular tree stands to this to this technique of, of hunting out of one. And Philip's going to be on here in just a minute, and he's going to share with us the reasons that he transferred over to that and uh, what he likes about it and what he doesn't like about it. So stay with us, and we'll get right to the interview I conducted earlier with Dr. Philip Hunt about saddle hunting for whitetails. Go. So here, now I have Philip here with me, and we're going to get right into it. So, Philip, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, good, good. So as I said in the intro, you've uh, started with saddle hunting. How long ago did you start that? It's been about three years now. Oh, really? That yeah. that long, huh? Yeah, I was I was in before the hashtags took over social media about <laughs> saddle hunting. Um, <laughs> That's so, funny. Yep. <laughs> so how did you get into it then? Really, I was looking for a safe way to hunt out of a tree. Um, I'm 6'5", 230 pounds or so, yeah. Or so. Yeah. I, or, right or now, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I can fluctuate between 245 and 220, but, uh, um, but I, you know, I'm a bigger guy. Right. Tree stands aren't necessarily comfortable for me, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, I tried, uh, climber stands. I could get somewhat comfortable for that, but I felt kind of limited on what trees I can hunt. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I was honestly looking for a safe way to get up and down the tree and stay always connected. And yeah. so I was looking at harnesses and, uh, um, uh, hunter safety system, which I own one and use, I, I might've even used it more than my saddle this year. But uh, um, I was looking at that, and then I saw people talk about using uh, regular rock climbing harnesses. So mm-hmm. went on Google and uh, searched at that, and then saddle hunting came up. There's this forum, saddle hunting forum, and then it was a lot smaller than it is now. But uh, the pe- forum is the forum. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's, um, and uh, on there, guys had been, you know showing their DIY stuff and, and how they do it. And some of it uh, did not look safe at all to me. And, right. And uh, some of it really made a lot of sense. The thing that scares me the most about uh, a regular uh, four-point harness that you used and connected to a lifeline or whatever is is the drop that you'll have before it right. catches. And right. if there's anything's going to fail, it's going to be that drop. And And... All that stuff's tested. It's safe. I know it's safe, but the little thing in the back of my mind is like, you're 6'5", you're 235, 40 pounds. Hey, by the end of the show, I might be 260. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, um, um, but you're going to fall about uh, it. depends on where you put it behind you because I wear a hunter safety system right. and the lifeline right. on my, in my uh, lock-on stands. And even my cli- – I don't use the lifeline to climber, but I yep. still use the, the system. And one of the things that I have to figure out is – where do I put it behind me so that when I stand up, it's, it's not binding? Right. And so when I draw my bow, yep. uh, and can I turn around? And what right. that does is put some slack in that line right? in order to get in a comfortable position. You know, now, what I like to do, excuse me for no, interrupting yeah. here, is when I'm, when I'm on like a lock-on stand, I want to be able mm-hmm. to stand up and get to the edge of the stand mm-hmm. 
without, I mean, and right at the edge is when it's taut. When it's taut, yeah. Yeah, because when I'm, you know, standing to hunt, I'm up against a tree. Right. So so basically, if I fall, I'm going to fall 8 to 10 inches before it grabs. Right, right. Which, as anybody knows, when you lose your balance in the air, you only have to move a quarter of an inch to feel like you're falling. Yes, yes, <laughs> <You> yes. <know? laughs> that, <laughs> so there's enough terror there to think about falling eight, 8 to 10 inches before it grabs. Exactly. And then that grab is going to be kind of violent, right. I would think. Right. And and that was what always scared me. I'm a somewhat of a wimp uh, when it comes to heights. I like to be connected at all times. And that was just something in my mind when I was on lock-ons and, and uh, mm-hmm. even uh, ladder stands. Um, and uh, it, it was just constantly there. So when I saw saddle systems and with a saddle system, you're always, for the most part, you should always be taught on the line that's connected to the tree. Okay. Yeah. And so, all right, I want to stop you right there for a yep. second because as me, I have never seen one in person. Right. We've talked about getting together so I can try yours out. We just yep. haven't done that yet. So explain to the novice like me and other listeners exactly what a saddle is and how it connects to the tree. Because I can't in my mind understand how if you're connected the way that I see them connected when they're at the top of the, you know, wherever mm-hmm. their, their platform is, how do they get there? And be connected the whole way. So why don't you explain that to us? Yeah. So um, typically what you see in uh, what what most people do, if most people that get into saddle hunting are hiking in, trying to be light and fast public land hunters. And what what they will do. Very mobile, very stealthy. Absolutely. There's, and, and, uh, you know, what I found in the saddle community is that, there are probably more denominations of saddle hunters than there are of Christians. And really? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and they have their own ways of climbing a trees, and uh, theirs is the best, and everybody else is wrong. And right, right. Whatnot. Um, uh, I can think of a few denominations like that. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah I, can, I can. But one is actually <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, we, uh, uh, I'd say the most common is using carrying and climbing sticks. Right. And... Um, working your way up a tree with a lineman's rope and with a lineman's belt. So okay. the lineman's belt attaches from hip to hip and goes around the tree. Right. And you advance that, make it tight, put your tr- neck stick up, go up. Which is what I do when I'm putting my my uh, tree ladder on from mm-hmm. my from my uh, strap-on stance. Right. That's right. how I do that. Yeah. Same same way getting up the tree with sticks is the same getting the same up with a lock-on or uh, okay. you know something okay. like that. Um, uh, me personally, what I like to do is, um, I mainly hunt private land and I'll put up a set of, uh, completely connected set of 20 foot sticks. I'll put a lifeline on it and that's how I get up and down the rest of the season. Okay. So you just use a uh, climbing ladder like I do for my lock home, but mm -hmm. instead of getting to the stand, you, you just sit in your saddle. Yeah. Yeah. I sit and say, I get to the top of the sticks. I... And then once you're at the top, the thing you rest your feet on, which is the most comfortable way to rest your feet on, is a platform. And there's a lot of different companies that make platforms. There's some kind of smaller mom and shop pops that do them. And then there's some bigger name brands. Um, Some people use uh, like the Lone Wolf Hand Climber. They'll use that. To as now, these platforms are really small. They're not like a lock on 
platforms, right? The, which like I like the big platforms, my lock-ons, yep. you know, that are thirty inches by twenty inches or something. I, yep. I like a big platform. But what you're talking about is about the size of my laptop. Uh, yeah, size of a laptop, maybe a little bigger or a little smaller, depending right. on um, which which way you go. Uh, there's one company, Wild Edge, that makes I think it's Wild Edge that makes the steps. Um, uh, they used to be called Gym Steps way back in the day, but anyway, they have a little. They call it the perch that attached to their steps. It's really small. You can put it in your back pocket. I mean, it, oh my I mean, it's hanging out of your back pocket, but it, it yeah. Uh, um, that's real small with big feet. I like to have a little bigger platform. I use a platform from a company called out on a limb and, uh, and they manufactures all their, their welds look great. Um, um, it's heavier, but once again, I'm not going in. Right. You know, you're two not, miles. you're not being mobile. Right. So to speak. Right. So how big is your platform? Uh, it is probably the size of. A little bit bigger than a um, a laptop would be what I would say a closed yeah. laptop, and uh, it's enough for me to be able to put my size so it's only thirteen that, feet. Uh, here I'm I'm looking at my laptop mm-hmm. while we're talking. It's only this big right here. Uh, it it goes out. It's kind of a trapezoid shape. Okay. Um, yeah, where it kind of goes into the tree right. and then comes out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it uh, yeah, and it it kind of locks on friction wise and uh um and it stays real stable it can hold me hanging off the edge of it with wow. you know one foot and I, i've never had one slip it can happen but that's when well anything can happen yeah, yeah yeah but uh um it's comfortable so once you're up there you have your lineman's belt and the way to make it safe and have that taut feeling the whole time you're hunting is you have uh rope called your tether that you wrap around the tree uh and basically make a slip knot around the tree pull that tight it has a carabiner on it mm-hmm. and then on your saddle you have something called a bridge that goes from hip to hip and it's probably a 18 to 24 inch piece of rope okay climbing rope is what i use some people use other stuff i don't trust that but uh you probably could trust it i don't want to make anybody mad here but uh um whether it's strapping or webbing yeah. Or, yeah. or rope is something. Yeah. Of webbing and am steel is something that folks are really liking. It's it's lightweight. It's real strong. I mean, you can tow cars with it. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, you hook the carabiner to the center of that rope, and you just sit down in your saddle, and it's like you're sitting in a swing. And Okay, so what it, what is the saddle made out the, of? The saddle is a beefed-up climbing harness if that so a climbing harness doesn't have any fabric over your rear end this has fabric over your end so it's more comfortable okay. it goes down instead of um uh and it has a seat that comes up under your thighs okay um, it, this yeah so i have um fabric in my saddle that goes That's where from your bottom the is. bottom of my back to halfway down my thighs or maybe less. Oh, really? So yeah. it, it gives you some lumbar support as well? Yeah, that gives you a little bit of lumbar support, yeah. but there um lumbar straps or pads that you hook on to your, uh, your bridge 
that's connected to the tether coming down from the tree. It makes like a little triangle. Right. And you can put a, uh, a pad there and you can lean back into it. I've, I've fallen asleep more in a saddle than I have in a tree stand. So, so do you have the lumbar support? I do have a lumbar okay. support. Yeah. Cause that would be something that would just be like, okay, my back is killing me because right. I got nothing to lean back on. Even now I've gone to the lock on stands. I have a backrest. Yeah. I'm so tired of leaning against a tree. Yeah. It is because it just—it's like you're at a perfect ninety degrees yeah. on those stands, and I have to have a little bit more comfort if I'm going to be still. Right. And if you're not still, then you're you're alerting animals. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, so just to uh, recap that to make sure mm-hmm. I understand, hopefully the listeners do as well. There's a there's a cloth or webbing pouch mm-hmm. that basically is the seat. Yeah. And then, and it can go from from the edge of your bottom up to your middle or to your low back, yep. or even just a little bit bigger. Yeah, bigger or some yeah. of them are coming yeah. out smaller. Some of them are yeah. smaller, where yep. you you're sitting in a thimble. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then, and then that has a a climbing rope or harness that you're calling your what the the, uh, the bridge. The bridge, yes. And the carabiner hooks to that that hooks to a rope that is slip knotted to the tree. Right. Correct. Okay. So once you were there, mm-hmm. you can't really move easily, right? You, Up and down. Uh, yeah, you were you're stuck at that height. Right. Um but without, without doing a major re readjustment. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get up in a tree and you might just depending on how it's pinching your hips or you you have a certain height that you like that slip not to be at your tree. Right. So my I like mine about at my nose. Okay. Some people like theirs above their head. Some people like theirs below. Um, at my nose feels good. I can still shoot all around the tree, and um, and uh, it doesn't. It, it the pressure it puts on my saddle and the hips and everything. It, I can sit there for hours. Does so. it take some getting used to? Yeah, it, it it that a lot of people. I wouldn't suggest someone to go online, order a saddle setup, and expect to sit eight hours in it. The first time I don't sit eight hours anywhere. Me either. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, just, I'm not like, unless there's a couch <laughs> and a you know a recliner or something. But exactly, that's a long yeah, sit. Yeah, but I've never understood. I'm, I know a lot of people that do. They oh can yeah. go hunt daylight to dark, day after day after day after day. Yeah. But I think they're hunting in places where they see a lot more game than we do here in the southeast. Yeah. Because uh, it's not uncommon to to hunt two or three days in a row without seeing a single deer. Right, right. Whereas in the Midwest, you're going to see 30 to 50 a day. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that, that that makes the time pass a whole lot easier yeah. when you're seeing game. Absolutely. As opposed to when you're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so you're saying that if you, that you really need to practice it and right. get accustomed to it, figure out where you need that mm-hmm. attachment point to be. And I've heard that on other podcasts. I know I've heard other many podcasts especially in Mark Kenyon's Wired to Hunt. Mm-hmm. He's talked about saddle hunting a lot and his yep. transition into it. And he's had uh, John Eberhard and yep. the other guy whose name I can't remember. Um, Greg. Uh, he, anyway. Greg, the guy that started Tethered. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, Eberhard, I think, has been hunting from a saddle since the 80s. Yeah. He's the he's, godfather he's, of saddle yeah, hunting. Right, right. And, yeah, right, right. And he's, uh, you know, if you want to learn more about it, then go to Mark Kenyon's. Uh, thing yep. and listen to him. He's had a lot of episodes on saddle hunting, right? And uh, but this is my first one, and that's why I have Phil here. But <laughs> but uh, um, when I see the saddle and I see pictures of people doing it, it looks so uncomfortable, right? And yep. and especially the platform, right? 
Um, and I know some people have these steps that strap her all the way around the tree right. where you can move your feet around, and then you have the little platform that you're mm-hmm. standing on. Um, I just feel like that it, that you're stuck in one position for a long period of time. Yep. Is that true? It's it's I, not necessarily. So I'll, I'm in two main positions when I'm up in the tree. Okay. I am um, either standing up with my toes resting on my tree on the tree and my heels resting on the platform, and I'm leaned back from the tree with the lumbar support on and with my yeah. arms crossed and just looking side to side. You're just sitting there. Yeah, just le- leaning up against a wall. Okay. Um, and uh, um, and the other position, if that gets tiring, is I'll sit all the way down and have pretty much all my weight on in the saddle and not on my feet anymore. My feet right. break. And my le- my knees are on either side of the tree if they can get there, or if not, that my knees are hitting the tree. But I'll, that's where I keep my pack that's padded, so it's just a padded. You know, and I've heard people say that. I was going to mention that mm-hmm. that, that some people, you know, some of the sicker gear that we both wear yep. has knee pads in yeah, it. Yeah, I have the and whatever pants they are with. The yeah, knee pads I don't know which ones they are, but, the, but with the knee pads yeah. in them, and and I've heard people say they actually wear knee pads to lean against the tree, mm-hmm. and how helpful that can be. Yeah. So it's it's comfortable from there. And my knees, I mean, it, like I'm saying, it's for me as a guy that's 6'5", most tree stands are built for guys that are 5'8 right. to 6'1". Oh, yeah, and that's me. I'm, I'm six feet. Yeah. 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 So um, the way my knees and and legs hit a, a regular seat for anybody, is it's going to be more uncomfortable for me for longer periods. Right. And yeah. Uh, I'm not whining about. It. I've dealt with it since. That's because I was they make they make tree stands where the seat is 19 inches above the platform, yep. and you need them to be 23 inches above the exactly. platform. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so you know, in our family, my wife's five two, and I'm six five. So we're not going to have tree stands that we're both comfortable. <laughs> That's in. right. <laughs> so. That's right. And I actually sat in one uh, this year. I don't remember the brand. It was a different brand. I think it was when I was with Ironman up in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And and it was high, really. Yeah, and you I could like that one. I could feel it cutting the blood off behind my thighs yep. because the, my feet were barely touching the platform. Yeah, um, I just remembered the brand. I'll tell you about it off yep. offline. Yep. But uh, uh, and I said, man, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah, and I ended up standing up most of the time right. because I'd stand up and fold the seat back, and then when I I'd sit down for yeah. four or five minutes because we were in stand for six seven hours on yep. those days. And then I'd stand up the rest of the time because right. it was just so uncomfortable. And and you have the reverse problem, right? Because right. the seat's too low for you, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if I need to stand up to take a shot, it's basically like I'm doing a squat. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah. My my rear it's like somebody will, my age trying to get out of a canoe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like yeah, getting out of a canoe, getting up off the toilet, something like that. Yeah. It's just you know. Yeah, there's more, no grab bars. Exactly. On the, on the. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. But uh, so it, that's why for me, I'd say a saddle's. It's for me, it's more comfortable okay. than, than a traditional okay. tree stand. Okay, so. now you're right-handed. Yes. Okay, this is going to load up my next question. So mm-hmm. if you're right-handed, and you're in the saddle, you're facing the tree. Mm-hmm. Where does your bow go? I put it on my left-hand side, and um, where I position the platform and what angle the rope's coming off the tree to me 
is where I assume deer will come from. Okay, so, that, so you're you're positioning yourself facing the tree. I'm just trying to walk the listener through mm-hmm. this. You're positioning yourself face because a right-handed shooter, you can shoot more to your left. Yeah, yeah. So you're positioning where you expect the deer to come from your left. Yes. Maybe yeah. not 9 o'clock, but maybe 10. Right. You know, 10.30, somewhere in there is what I'm guessing. Yep. Is yep. that right? That's... So you're positioning your bow where you can just grab it and shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and the neat thing about saddle hunting is and i've had this happen a couple times where deer will come from a different direction and i'm somewhat exposed and i see them coming from a long way off i can position myself to keep the tree in between me and them until it's and that's what i've shoot. heard other people say yeah. is that they'll, they'll position where the tree's in the way. Yeah. That's and, you know, years ago, my first climbing stands were facing the tree. Mm-hmm. You sit down, stand up, climbers, you can never, you know, yeah. you're rifle hunting, you just sit down and stand up, you face the tree. I hate facing the tree in mm-hmm. those climbing stands. That's why I went with uh, a summit Goliath so yep. I can face away, yep. you know, and, and I can rifle hunt or bow hunt out of it. Right. But in your situation, you are, you're not really facing the tree. The tree's kind of... I mean, you're facing it, but you're expecting the animals to come from your left. Right, right. And so you're not really using the tree as a blocker necessarily. Yeah, you can use it as a blocker. Um, but just with, you know, any tree stand, having cover around the tree so you're not sticking out is, right. is important. If anybody tells you, oh, I can hide myself completely with the saddle. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. Go Maybe. climb a, a telephone pole and hide behind it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, are there certain trees that you find are better? You know, here in the south, we have a lot of pines, mm-hmm. and then we have a lot of different kind of hardwoods. Yeah. So do you find some work better than others? Yeah, I I enjoy, my dream tree is one that splits into, that has a split about 10 feet off the ground into three trunks. And, yeah. I'm, and yeah. I'm, so I can lean up against one trunk, and I'm just sitting in the middle of all those trunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they spread out enough that I can, I can shoot through wherever I need to. Yeah. That's, that's my dream tree. A lot of times it's a lot of those, uh, uh, get a lot of these oaks beside a field that split off into two pretty early on. Yeah. And those are comfortable too. Um, Kind of the ones in my yard. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so that, that'll, uh, that's nice. And, the way you're leaning in a saddle, you're kind of at the same way a branch would grow okay. off the side of the tree. Yeah. Um, I don't know if deer can, uh, I, I, I feel like that's something you can say that, yeah, it makes sense to humans. I think deer would spot it in a second if they're looking for it. Yeah. Um, cause they know those woods. Yeah. Yeah. And where did that branch come from? That branch mm-hmm. wasn't there yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. If I change something in my living room, I'm going to notice exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> Which I got nailed by a big buck early this year, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, because I expected them to come out actually in front of me, mm-hmm. and I'm on the I'm in a pine tree, and there's a giant mm-hmm. pine tree right in front of me, and so I'm using that as my blocker. Well, he mm-hmm. comes right right from left. I'm completely skylighted. Yep, from the left. Yeah. So I've already picked the tree. I'm gonna move it 20, 20 yards to the left, where there's a lot more cover yeah. around me. So that no matter which way it comes, I'll be yeah. I'll be hidden better. But that's I can see where you know I'm just picturing this in my mind, and the listeners probably are too, thinking of their stands yep. and thinking of how how they would be able to hide there. Yeah. But there again, if I was in the saddle, I could have just walked around the tree a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't I? Yeah. And that's something I do on the stands I hunt is um, 
some of the some of the places I put my saddle, there's a ladder stand in the tree. Oh. And I will put my saddle on the opposite side of the seat. And uh, we, if you deer hunted, you've seen it where deer walk in and then look at where a stand is and see if anybody's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they look up and they don't see someone sitting in the stand. They get a lot more comfortable. Right. Um, and that's a kind of a fun tactic to use if you're the only one using a saddle on a piece of property. Is right. You can use the other stands there and use that to their advantage. Um, so... Um, I, I I want to take a sidebar on that. Okay. I have a I have a question that I've been struggling with for years. Okay. On that, when deer come in and the stand's been there for a while, do they check it out? Yeah. Um, I have some ladder stands that have been the same tree since '05, mm-hmm. and so we have a couple of generations of deer have grown up with that stand being there. Yeah. So do do they see that as part of their natural world, or do they learn from their from the other deer to look there for a danger or, you know, is it, you know, I've heard people say that, well, if it's been there a long enough time, then the deer become accustomed to it. It's yeah. been there for generations and then they don't see it as a threat. Yeah. And others I've heard, well, what, what we don't realize is the does are actually, or the bucks, whichever one are actually now changing their walking pattern to go around it. And we don't even realize right. it. Right. And that they have learned, not that that is necessary as a danger, but that area is a yeah, danger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I think there's definitely um, some learned behavior through the generations, and and the deer might not know why it's looking up at that stand, but its mom always looked at the stand when they came and went to this food plot, and you know, we always look at that tree, and while it may just look like the natural surroundings. They may always look at that tree. You think so, so? Yeah. So you think you're better off to move your stand from time to time? I, I think either move your stand or hunt or put up a stand or somewhere uh, else. Somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and if you especially if you see them behavior mm-hmm. change, um, I think it'd be a. You know, to that point, uh, what was this twenty? So an eighteen. At this one spot I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. I hung a bow stand 80 yards away from the ladder stand. It's been there since 05. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hung a lock on where I, I suspected but didn't have any proof that deer were walking around mm-hmm. for the, the area that we typically hunt. And uh, my first sit, I shot a really nice buck at, yep. f- at what, 12 yards? Yeah. With, with my rattled him in, came mm-hmm. right to me, and I shot him there at 12 yards. Yeah. And... Had I been in the ladder stand, I never would have seen him. Yep. Uh, you know, so I think was he coming in skirting? But because where he was going, I would never have seen him from that ladder stand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we probably all had cell cam pictures of we get out of the stand and the night, that night after, you know, 2 30 yeah. in the morning, there's deer coming right up to the stand and yeah. sniffing on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, they learn. I mean, uh, you know, they get stupid, and those are the ones I normally get. But you know, right, right, that's the ones I need. Yeah. I need stupid deer. If I'm going to so, put meat in the freezer, I need the dumb ones. Yeah, yeah. They but taste just as good as the smart ones. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the saddle by what you're doing in those situations, you're using the existing ladder stand and the learned behavior to your advantage by hunting this maybe the same tree because mm-hmm. it's in a great location. Yeah. But you're hunting the backside of the tree, yeah. where they can't see you. Yeah. Uh, last season there was a stand. Um, my wife hunted a good bit, and and I hunted it later in the season. And um, we'd have does come down, and 
she'd always say, they just, they come down, they look right at the stand at me. I'm staying dead still, you know, mm-hmm. it's getting frustrating. I hunted it later in the season, the leaves had fallen and I was on the saddle on the backside of the stand. And every time they'd look at the, look at the stand and I'd just be hugging the tree and, and then they'd scoot on by. And, you know, I probably had 10 does go by me with a few hunts and they didn't spook. They just, they'd sit there really they'd look and then they'd keep going after that. Um, I uh, got out of the stand too early that day because the big eight point walked by at n- noon, and oh, yeah. I was, uh, you know, I was I was back at home taking a nap. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how it always goes. Yeah, that's how it always goes. Yeah. All right. So um, when you if you have a platform that's the size of my laptop, mm-hmm. which is a thirteen inch laptop for the listeners, and you need to walk around the tree to hide, what are you yeah. stepping on? Um, so I'll. I won't necessarily walk completely around the tree, but I will lean. Okay. And and I can probably get 270 degrees around the tree to keep myself the tree between. By staying on the platform. By staying on the platform. So you're basically just leaning yeah. on the rope and moving the tree just enough to block yourself. Right, right. right. And uh, it, some people put, they call it a ring of steps that they'll do and they can go 360 degrees around the tree. Yeah. The thing you got to think of though, is when you're going around the tree, the rope connecting you to the tree starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter. So, you know, it, yeah. it, you know now your nose is scraping the tree before you go all the way around. Right. Yeah. And you can't pull your bow back or, you know, or, yeah. you know, you don't yeah. have a place to rest your rifle or anything right. like that. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is a great segue. Yep. Cause most of the people that I hear that hunt out of saddles hunt with archery equipment. Yep. Um, again, for the portability, the the stealthiness of it somewhat, you get there, you climb, you hunt. Yep. Um, but you can also rifle hunt out of it. Absolutely. And yep. uh, and so how does that work? Uh, since you're facing the tree, you can rest your rifle up against the side of the tree. You're lean back in the saddle so you're steady. You have a steady right. place to sit, basically. Right. You have a steady rest that you can put your hand against the tree and rest your rifle. And then it's just taking a shot. Do you just hang the rifle on the same side of the tree you hang your bow on? Or do you hang it on the other side? Because see, I'm right handed, so I would hang my rifle on the right hand yeah, side. I hang it on the right hand. And my bow I'd hang on the left side because I hold the bow with my left arm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of time I'll when I hunt this time of year where we can shoot rifle or bow. I, right. I take both. Uh, I have options. <laughs> so, oh, wow. You're one of those, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's so especially this year. Cause you know, my wife's shot two deer. I haven't shot any this she year. She has shot some big deer. Yes. She yes. has shot some big deer. Now I want to, I want to clarify in South Carolina is legal yep. to carry either weapon during, during yep. the rifle season. Yep. Uh, in some States it's not. If right. you're, um, as a matter of fact, I was up in Illinois with Ralph and Vicky a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And I had my bow license and shotgun season came in. I said, well, I can just go hunt with my bow. They said, no, you can't. You, gotta you still have to have the shotgun tag to, yeah. in order to hunt with your bow during shotgun season. Yeah. I said, well, that's dumb. Yeah. But we that's their law. That, ran into that up in Maryland. Oh, did you? This, yeah, with yeah. the Seek a Deer. So um, yeah. um, keep that in mind, listeners. If, if uh, Check the laws where you're hunting mm-hmm. that uh, if even if it is um, – say firearm season and you want to hunt with your bow, you need to make sure that you don't need a special tag in order to do that here in South Carolina, where we are, it's the wild west. Yep. 
There, I mean, if you're on private land, there's no weapon restrictions for yeah. of, of of any kind. Yeah. I leave my addle addle at home, but you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did get that last year, didn't you? No, I, I got out bed. I got yeah. out bed. Did you? And, and remind me, you won the auction for my book, so I need yeah. to get you a copy of the book before you leave. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, um, anyway, again, as I was saying here in South Carolina, if you're in rifle season, then then you can use a lesser weapon. Mm-hmm. And you can take both to the woods. Yep. And oftentimes, I'll take my big pistol with my bow. Mm-hmm. I don't take the rifle. That's just a lot of stuff to yep. carry. Yeah. Um, but I will take my pistol and my and my bow, or my pistol and my rifle mm-hmm. a lot of times. So if they get in a little closer, because I love killing them with the pistol, yep. as you know, then, then then I can use that. And so so you're saying this time of year, you'll take your bow and your rifle. Yep. So if that big deer is out there at 70 yards, you can still pop them. Exactly. So exactly. you're an equal opportunity killer. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once it gets past about, once it gets into November, I'm just I'm I'm ready to fill some time. <laughs> ready to kill something. Let's yeah. <laughs> just say yeah. it like we mean it's, it. I'm ready to kill something. <laughs> especially when my wife is. Oh, you haven't got any yet. Still, you know, I've already yeah. got two. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, she had, and uh, I remember seeing a picture. She she got a really nice buck. Yeah. What was it? Was that her biggest bow buck? Yeah, that was actually her first deer ever with the bow really yeah um, wow yeah that's a great deer nice nice eight point it was the eight point that we were like yep if we see this anybody let's take it yeah and uh and she yeah it was a great story with that one but yeah she about gave up on it that night well not gave up but she had a couple does blow at her and she's like it's over i was like ah oh, you got another hour i was about to put the kids to bed and i get a text i shot it it was big Come, you know. <laughs> so the kids, kids get up, up out of bed. Let's go. Got to stay up late, and we tracked a deer. And yeah, it was a great deer. Yeah, yeah. It was a great so, deer. Are you? Are you? Uh, do, do you have a taxidermy bill now? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to after that one. Yeah, and she was always like, you know, was it crazy? I was like, well, are you gonna get it, you know, mounted. It'd be, it'd be nice, you know. When we we're talking about her first buck, she's like, I don't know. We'll see when. She grabbed the antlers of that. She was. I, I just knew. I'm like, yep, this is going on the wall. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. The, and you know what's funny was uh, on another sidebar was I had a buck I killed in ninety. Hold on a minute, five mm-hmm. in ninety five that I had mounted. Didn't have another deer mounted. Yep. And I've had two in a row. Two years in a row, I've had one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dang, oh man, I've got to. F-. So I went uh, what twenty something years without mounting another deer, and then, yep. then I mounted two in a yep. row. So, yep. so uh, now I've, I'm kind of getting the fevers. I got to slow down a little Just, bit. Here. Yeah, yeah. got to slow down a little bit. So now I'm setting little standards that it has to be a certain size, right? You know, and my next one, I wanted to be a you know a Pope and young buck before yep. I before I mount another one. So yeah. I'm within a. The one I killed last year, or was it two years ago, was like 124 and a few oh, eights, yeah. you know. So I'm like, ah, oh, so close. <laughs> but it was eight point. If it had been yep. 10, it definitely would have oh, made yeah. it, you know. So, but, uh, but, but anyway, here I go digressing again. <laughs> so, so on the saddle, if, if you're using these, uh, what I got, I call them climbing sticks. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're actually presetting these up. Yeah. And I've heard that a lot of people do that, mm-hmm. even on public land. They'll mm-hmm. go and they'll set, uh, a few ladders around or or, or screw in steps, whatever's legal yeah. in your area, yeah. ahead of time, just kind of uh, pre-select the trees yep. and then wait for the conditions to be right to go do that. Right, right. Um, do you have any of those smaller sticks and uh, yeah, I have stuff that... I have the Muddy Pro sticks is what I, okay. I use. Um, they, they're 
bulkier, um, uh, well, or heavier than a lot of them that are coming out. There's some that are coming out made out of carbon fiber, things yeah. like that. They're I, very proud of those. Yes. Yeah. They're very proud of those. And, and that means they're expensive. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I'd like to see, a, I, I never, in a lot of things, I don't want to be the guinea pig. Right. I, I want to see people use it for a few right. years, whether right. that's right. You know, with my job with dentistry or, or hunting. It's, uh, well, let's see how this new technology plays out. That's right. Could be a very that's expensive. Right. I mean, and some people are using the uh, uh, lineman spikes mm-hmm. and they're yep. climbing and just standing in those all day. Yep. I do not know how they uh, do that. They have stronger ankles and knees yeah. than I do because yeah. I just can't do that. Yeah, those those guys are tough. There's they got some big yeah, cojones. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. Right <laughs> Absolutely, there. there is no way I would do that. <laughs> there is no way. But I, you know, some of those people are tree arborist, right? And, and so they're used to it. And that's where a lot of uh, climbing techniques, the saddle, uh, the saddle company, the saddle I use is an Arrow Hunter Kestrel, and it's made by uh, arborists. Okay. Um, and that's why I mainly went with them is because they make saddles for tree. For arborists, the, the people who make a living sitting in these things, right, right, and uh, and so you know, my saddle is from there. And it's probably overbuilt. It doesn't need to be as sturdy as it is, but I'd rather have too much than absolutely. not enough. Absolutely, um, and uh, um, I, uh, uh, but also climbing methods. Um, how arborists get up trees with single ropes and double ropes. There's people that saddle hunt with that, and that's a pretty cool technique. But they're where, using the the rope slide yeah, to pull themselves yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, using that and uh, which is neat. A lot of guys will just set up uh, a paracord in a few trees, and that's what they'll use to pull the rope over. Then they'll shimmy up and then rappel down at the end and reset it that way. Okay, I'm just not doing that. No, no, <laughs> I, it, it's it's not for me. Uh, but the guys that do it tend to love it because they. Do. But you know, I'm sitting here saying this, but I remember because I got 20-something years on you. Mm-hmm. I remember back at the old Baker tree stands where I was bear-hugging the tree, yep. pulling the platform up with my feet, bear-hugging the tree, doing it again, which would I would never consider doing that <laughs> yeah. now. It was so dangerous. Right it, it was so <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> so dangerous doing that. But that's the only tech technology that we had yep. you know and I and then I remember a company came out with the with the hand climb aider so you didn't have to bear hug the tree anymore you could actually use this hand climber to mm-hmm. to do like dips that we used to do yep. in workouts you know to, to pick yourself up and then the stand up sit down mm-hmm. technology came you know just the technology has changed and changed and changed and uh, and I guess even those saddles have been around since the 80s mm-hmm. That the technology is really advancing fast now. Right. Yeah. It went from, I think there was one, maybe two manufacturers, probably four years ago. Right. To now, it seems like it, it, there's, I can think of four right now, and there's more than that. I, yeah. I kind of, kind of, am out of the new up and coming things. I have what right. works for me. I, yeah. I see what's new, and yeah. if I don't like it, I forget about it. I got well, it, to remember. But it won't uh, be long before um, I'm suspecting here, and I'm forecasting or prophesying mm-hmm. here, to use a theological term, yeah, yeah. that some of the big tree stand manufacturers will come out with their versions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, Hawk, Hawk this year came out with a saddle. Right, and I expect yeah. Muddy will probably do that, mm-hmm. and, and Big Game, and... and uh, Probably Lone Wolf will be one because they're really big into portability. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just guessing here, listeners, so don't say, well, yeah. I heard on Pete, Christian Outdoors podcast that yeah. you're coming out with a saddle. But but uh, it's kind of the same thing that you saw with the big box blinds. Yep. 
you know, when Redneck came out with one, then next thing you know, Muddy has one. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, uh, oh, man. Anyway, I can't think yep. of all these other brands. And now all these brands have these big box blinds now that right. are selling for $5,000 yep. that people are putting out. Yep. You know, and I tell you, I've hunted out of some of them, and oh. they're nice. Yeah. They're and really I, nice. I, uh, Especially I, the insulated ones are really nice. Yeah, one of my favorite hunts this year, we were in a Redneck with, a three-year-old in his first hunt. And yep. the three-year-old was sitting in my lap while his dad shot a deer. It was great. That's I mean, great. And the three-year-old, you know, down the floor, coloring and yeah. whatnot. And and uh, and my kids love sitting in those. And it's it's great. I can't take a kid saddle hunting. Um, no, you can't. You know, this is... That's you know, exactly right. And uh, so as my kids want to hunt more and more, my saddle hunting has declined. I'll get... But... Yeah. There are things more important. Absolutely, <laughs> so absolutely. When a kid says, "Hey, can I go hunting with you?" and you're like, "Nah," you know, oh, that doesn't make sense to me. So. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you just gotta say no, yeah, you know, because yeah. it's you know, it's too cold for them, or it's too it, wet, or exactly. whatever, yeah. you know. But but uh, back in the day, because mm-hmm. my my youngest is now 18, so this would have been 10, 12 years ago. Um, the redneck blinds and the muddy blinds and all those big uh, hard shell blinds, mm-hmm. I guess it's what they're called, wasn't available. So we used the pop-up blinds. Yep. And that's right. how I got my kids into hunting was oh, the yeah. pop-up blinds. And, and we didn't have the technology. We took color in books and, mm-hmm. and word search and things of that nature to keep them occupied. Yep. And then I, did, I, I would take sleeping bags if it was chilly. And, and they'd crawl in the sleeping bag. Absolutely. And I did that years ago before the uh, the heater body suit. Yep. I would take sleeping bags to stands and crawl inside of them for years. Yep. And uh, but that heater body suit's nice. Uh, I borrowed one one time yeah. up in Illinois, and it was it was a lifesaver. Uh, I, I believe that it. thing is nice. <laughs> I'm telling you that's, what. That's one thing a South Carolina hunter doesn't have is uh, well, we don't need warm them. stuff. Yeah, we don't need them. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. we we don't. Uh, and ironically, I'm going to South Dakota in two weeks, honey. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I'm already checking the weather every day, saying what's it going to be like. Mm-hmm. What what do I need to take? You know, so I got my. I got my fanatic system mm-hmm. that I use twice a year, yeah. but it's worth it. It'll last me the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's the thing about those hard shell blinds is they'll last you forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so you make an investment now, but you'll be taking your grandkids in it, yeah. you know, and it's safe. Yeah. It's, it's comfortable and safe and everything like that, which, yeah. which back to the original point that you said, the reason that you made this transition because you were concerned about safety. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard so many people say with the saddle, I'm connected the whole way. Yep. And when I, you know, when I'm uh, hanging my um, uh, strap-on stands, mm-hmm. then, you know, I use a lineman's belt as I'm putting my my tree ladder up. I can't. Th- is that what climbing sticks? Yeah, climbing. Yeah. You know, as I'm putting, I use my lineman belt, and then I got to tie on my lifeline at the top, mm-hmm. and then I come down, I rehook everything to the lifeline, mm-hmm. and then I go up and bring my my chain-on stand up, and yep. then I'm able to do that. And now I'm using this this new system. Where I um, uh, am strapping a bracket to the tree, yep, and then I bring the stand up and hook in the bracket, yep. So I'm not having to balance the that. weight That's of cool. the bracket, and it's made by Academy. Yeah, it is a wonderful stand. This huh. Academy, Kylie uh, Academy Outdoors. Um, it's a uh, game winner. Is that yeah, it's a game winner. But I'm trying to think of the model. Yeah, um, it's their oversized platform, and it has the the what I call trampoline seat. Mm-hmm. With a backrest. Oh, that's great. And it's $78. Yeah. It is wonderful. Uh, you know, and yeah. it's hundreds of dollars less than any competitor. Yeah. And it is safe. It is solid. It is, And I love the fact that I can just bring that bracket up 
attach it to the tree. Then I bring the stand up with a rope yep. and just slide it in, That's lock it in easier. place. Yep. It is safe. It's easy. It's comfortable. And it's $78. Yep. Now, Academy does not sponsor this podcast. Yep. I'm telling you this because I love it yep. and it's wonderful and it is and, and it's affordable. Yeah. Um, but that's how I do it. Oh yeah. And it's, but it's a multi-step process. Yeah. Even in, even if I want to hang and hunt, it's a you know, I'd say best case scenario if I'm in the open area where I can get the ladder up pretty good, it's still 20 minutes mm-hmm. for me. I'm yep. sure there are younger guys that are faster. Yeah. And quieter. But how long does it take you when you get to a tree? Let's say you're you're putting your ladder up. Yeah. How long does it take you for when you get there to hunt? Uh, I can be completely set up, ready to shoot a deer, and and I'm I'm slow for the saddle war world, but I'm mm-hmm. probably right at ten minutes. Okay. Um. Yeah. That's much faster than most. You yeah, know, and it's only one trip up the tree too. Yeah. Um. Because I can hook my climbing sticks onto the back of my saddle, I get up, you know, yeah. do everything. Uh, I've seen some YouTube videos of how people do yeah. that. And, yeah. and then I'll have a, a, a just a pull-up rope coming off my backpack that has my bow and whatever else I need to pull up that's not right. in my backpack right. and right. Um, go from there. So when you get to your platform, you're ready mm-hmm. to hunt, you have probably what I do, those little J-hooks, I call them, that you screw in the tree to hang your pack on. Yeah. Is that what you use for your bow? Or do you I, have the? I, use, I like the extended arm for my bow. Yeah, you know, like the the real tree of the Primos bow hangers is what I like. Yeah. It's only ten inches, but it's enough that I can kind of pivot it to the mm-hmm. position exactly where I want it. Yeah, I, I do like those. I I did get uh, just recently those those bow hangers that were on the uh, in the auction. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm interested to try those out. Yes. Uh, that so you're the one who outbid me on those. Oh yeah. 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 You had bid me on three things. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're a guest on my podcast. I know. I, know. Uh, I think I may have to reclaim some of those here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I'm interested to try those. I, I'll let you borrow one, Pete. So. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. He'll probably end up renting it to me <laughs> just to test it. So, well, that's great. Well, Philip, I appreciate this. I, I have a better understanding of the saddle now. Yep. Uh, I still want you to bring it over for me to Absolutely. actually get in it and see. Um, but let me ask you this. Is this something that I know, well, John Eberhardt's an, an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a little bit older than me. But is this really more of a young man's thing? Or is it, do you see something that anybody of any age, I'm 50, almost 57, mm-hmm. you know, so is this something that you would say, even some of my age, because I am pretty fit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that I can do comfortably and easily? Or is it really something for, for younger people? Yeah, no, I think it's any, any if you can climb up, into a hang on stand lock on i think you could hunt out of this okay um, no problem okay um there's a lot of folks that have back issues and knee issues that prefer a saddle really yeah um just because of the different uh places the pressure points are and you can control that um and uh you know and there's there's a couple guys on the forums that are you know in their 70s and really um wow and uh it's and with the growing popularity of it, there's all shapes and sizes getting up in the tree. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's there's a bit of safety factor when, you know, most tree stands you look at, it says rated for... 300 pounds. 250, 300 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of hunters are pushing the upper limits of that. I'm getting close to it, you know. Well, um, yeah. and, and, you know, here I am sitting in a 
harness with climbing ropes that can hold a car. And there's that safetyness factor in the back of my head too. So. And that, that, uh, that makes you a better hunter because you're more focused because you're not worried. Right. Is this thing going to break? Right. You know, and I saw a post on Facebook today and here's, here's one of the things uh, that I'll say to everybody out there that, uh, that I don't do often enough, but I just saw a post where a person was in a, a cl- uh, strap on stand mm-hmm. and the cables that hold the platform to the attachment tree broke mm-hmm. and the person failed. Yep. They wasn't wearing a harness. Now they're talking about the harness. Yep. What I want to speak about is inspect your cables. Yeah. And, and, and like I do on mine where I change the straps out every two years, mm-hmm. I'm going to start replacing the cables every yeah. two years yep. just as a peace of mind. Yeah. Cause I got, five children and a wife that depend on me. Exactly. You know, and it is not expensive to change the cables out no. to make sure that you have fresh cables that you know are in good shape when you go out there. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with the straps. I replace the straps every two years mm-hmm. on all of my lock-on stands. Mm-hmm. And and I double strap all my stands, the one that come with it, and yep. then I always put another one on there right. as a safety factor. Yep. Um, there's, there, you know, as one friend of mine says, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Yep. And I think when it comes to safety and, and elevated hunting, whether you're in a saddle or a tree stand, you can't you can't be too safe no, in that. I think you just, really can't. You know, and starting those practices early on, like my if if unless it's like a redneck blind where you have two, you know, handrails going up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty if, safe. If, if you know my eight year old, he has a harness, and and I, just growing up. You know, two generations ago, three generations ago, you didn't always put your seatbelt on when you got Never in the did. truck. Even now, my generation, we did. Yeah, and now you don't get in. It's weird a That's feeling right. if you don't have a seatbelt on. Exactly right. Um, I, I want that for my kids to when they hunt. I want it right. to be weird for them not to be connected to the tree, whether That's it's right. in a saddle next to me or... Uh, you know, climbing up in a tower stand, anything yes. like that. Yes, and you know, and th- that's how I am with my hunter safety system. I, I I will not climb a tree without it anymore because I do I don't feel safe. And I got a buddy that uh, he still wears the waist belt. Yeah, you know, where you're gonna fold in half yeah. when you fall out of the tree. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Yeah. He he said, well, I feel okay, and that's like. Yeah. It's not like you can't afford it. Yeah, you know, I'll buy one for you yeah. if I know you'll wear it. Yeah. You know, it's a hundred dollars for a or one twenty five for a good four-point harness um and so spend the money do that Mm -hmm. as much money as people spend on hunting you know and and for somebody to say i can't afford it but they have a brand new weatherby rifle right there that costs twenty eight hundred dollars right or they just joined another hunting club that's going to cost them seventeen hundred sure you can afford the hundred twenty five dollars for a good harness or i don't know what saddles cost i have no idea what the price point is what what would be a medium price point for a harness? I mean, for a uh, saddle. I think you, most saddles are probably in the two hundred range. Okay, so the um, price of a of a decent lock on stand yeah. or a climber. Yeah, that's about what it yeah. is. Um, yeah, everything added on to it. I mean, it's more than that, but with, well, sure. With, but sure. Um, yeah, to get basic and safe, yeah, I'd say two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. Which yeah. a Millennium Lock owns that. So mm-hmm. is a Lone Wolf Lock owns yep. that. Uh, a Summit Climber costs that much. So so yeah. basically to achieve the same thing, you're in the same price point. Right. You know, right. So you're not saving money to use a saddle. You're just doing right. it differently. Right. And I, there's very few people hunt that 
do hunt to save money. This is a, <laughs> this is a leisure a- yes. activity. Um, yes. Um, and uh, it'd probably be cheaper for all of us just to get food from the grocery store. But uh, even the people that say they're meat hunters, yeah. they're not saving a lot of money. No, not 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 a lot. So. No. Um, you kill a hundred pound doe, you get thirty pounds of meat, yeah. and how much? You know, your license, your transportation, blah blah blah. You yeah. know, you're into, you're a hundred and thirty dollars a pound. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it, as one of my dad's friends said to me early on, was, "Well, Philip, uh, I just try not to have fun at things I can die at." You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, that's uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, hunting's. I love it, and I'm not going to die at it. I'm just going to be overly safe, and that's right. You know, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I don't die at it. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, and it's that old adage: just a greater risk, or you have a greater chance of dying driving to your hunting property right. than you do hunting. Um, and anything we can do to make that even uh, a better statistic, yep. then, then that's what we need to do. Absolutely. You know. So, well, Philip, uh, I have learned a lot about saddles. I really have. I've learned an awful lot about it uh, during this conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to come back on. Yeah. Is there anything that 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 you want to add about it um, before um, we bring this to an end? Uh, just if you're looking into it, do your research and make sure you do it safely. There's a lot of folks that are just trying every random things and trying to cut corners. It's not worth climbing up a tree a cool way when you can die at it. So make sure you're um, just making sure you're safe and not skipping any steps. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, the, the people you see doing the do it yourself, they've been doing it for years now and they know where to do things safely and where not to. Um, so, uh, just don't be too cavalier and right. go the safest route. And if you find safe ways to make things sleeker for you, that's great, but learn it the right way first before you start cutting corners. Yeah, very, very, very well said. Very well said. And there is a ton of YouTube videos out there. But again, to Philip's point, um, there's a lot of vi- videos made by, you know, uh, Cousin Chester, who mm-hmm. is trying to show you his way of doing it. It may not be the best way. Right. So I want to recommend that you look at some of the ones from the manufacturers. Yep. You know, and look at their videos and look at some of the people who have a a good reputation in saddle hunting right. and and um, learn how to do it in yep. your backyard yep, before you go out and do it. Now, on, on one other thing, I was just, as as we were talking, I was thinking, I've been hunting some public land up here in the mountains mm-hmm. a lot, a lot recently. <laughs> and, and one of the things that the other day I was hunting with a buddy and he said, well, how'd you do? I said, man, if I was elevated, I could have seen a whole lot better than I could on the ground because... Here in the mountains, we got these, you know, domes mm-hmm. and ridges and stuff. But I said, if I could have been up five feet, mm-hmm. it would have made a huge difference because just where I was. Now, maybe I didn't pick yeah. a good spot. And and I could see as far as I walked to get in there where the portability of that yeah, would have been huge. Yeah, you could have got that with one stick. and Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. uh, um, so, I, so I do see some opportunity there mm-hmm. uh, once you bring yours over and I try it and, and I get some use to it and, and say, because eh, it may not be for me. Yeah, it might not. It may not be for me, you know, and and I think you'd be the first to agree that it may not be for everybody. Yeah, but it is a, a tactic that that you like. Yep, and you would recommend trying. Yeah, I would, I would give it a shot. Okay, all right. Again, thank you for being on the show, hey, Philip. Thanks, I appreciate you stopping by on your way home from work in order to do this. Hey, and uh, we'll get you back on again sometime soon. All right, sounds good. This portion of the podcast is being brought to you by Aspen Grove Outdoors. 
Canada's premier camouflage company. With over 30 patterns to choose from, Aspen Grove is dedicated to glorifying God by creating patterns specifically with the Canadian hunter in mind. To learn more and to pick out the pattern best suited for your needs, go to aspengroveoutdoors.ca.